All right, welcome to another week of Tanya learning. And we're at the really uh, uh, not, an, not an easy part of, of, of Shara Yichud, but probably one of the most important. So it's important that before we begin chapter four, even though we really finished chapter three, we need to review a little of chapter three just to make sure we know what's going on, what the, what the whole idea that's being taught over here, the Alter Rebbe wants to say. So we understand, first of all, I just want to say that today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas, uh, the sake of the ascent of the soul of those holy people that passed away in Meiron, on Lag Baomer, in an accident which is totally inexplicable, and our learning should be a schus for them if they need it, and they should definitely wake up Rabbi Shimba Yochai. It's, uh, it's definitely time. Anyway, so we're learning the Alter Rebbe wants to say that after we understood in chapter 2 that because God is continuously bringing the world into existence, so just like the flying of the rock, there is no real flying of the rock. It's just your strength manifesting as flying of the rock. There's no such thing as walking of the puppet. It's just your strength manifesting as walking of the puppet. Chapter 3, the Alter Rebbe says, Therefore you understand, there is no such thing as Nivra other than just Hashem's light manifesting as Nivra. There's no such thing as created being except that Hashem's light is manifesting as created being. Every moment, and that's all there is, is Hashem's light. And everything, every created being, is Nechshav, is considered like Ayin and Ephes, like naught and nothingness vis-a-vis the light of Hashem. But then the Alter Rebbe asked, so here's the question that he's bringing the analogy of the sun for. If that's the case, then why do I see the world as a world? Why don't I see it as Hashem's light? If that's all everything is, is the light of Hashem, Hashem's light manifesting as all the things in the world, why don't I see that? Why don't I see Hashem's light? Why do I see the world as a world? That's the Alter Rebbe's question. And he answers with the analogy of the, of the ray of the sun. The analogy of the ray of the sun is to explain to us why we're able to see the world as a world. That's clear, yeah? That's why he's bringing that analogy. And he says, When are you able to see the ray as a, as a ray, even though the ray also never becomes a, a separate entity from the sun? It's always bedvekus, it's always connected to the sun. But when do I see the ray as a ray? When it leaves the sun. When it's no longer in the sun, when it's under the atmosphere, when it's here on the earth, I see the, then I could see the ray. But when the ray is still in its source, meaning in the sun, if I'm looking at the sun, I don't see the ray. I just see the sun. I does the ray not exist in the sun? Of course it exists in the sun. If the ray could exist outside the sun, how much more so it could exist in the sun? Right? So it's definitely there. So why don't I see it as a ray? And the answer is because at that point it's like the sun. Yeah? Says the Alter Rebbe, same thing over here. The Dvar Havaya, the speech of God, the contracted light of God that's in the world, the Yechudatata, the lower level unity, the light of God that's Memalekulam in the Shekhinah, the light of God that fills every created thing, the light of God, the speech of God that's in every tree, that's like the sun. 
The contracted light of God that's in every, in every nivra is like the sun, and the nivra, the created being, is like the ray. So why am I able to see the world as a world? Because my eyes, my physical eyes right now, can't see the light of God. And therefore I see the world as a world. But if I was able, if my eyes were given permission to see the light of God, like I would be looking into the sun, I wouldn't see the ray. If I could see the light of God, I wouldn't see a world as is, as the world as I see it now. I would just see the light of Hashem manifesting. That's what he brought the parable for. But then the Alter Rebbe asked a question that seemingly the parable doesn't fit. Because the ray of the sun actually is able to leave the sun. There's actually two separate places where the sun is and where the ray leaves the sun. Masha'enke, when it comes to every nivra, every created thing, and the sun of its being, meaning the godly light that's bringing it into existence, there are no two things over here. That's what we got finished learning from chapter 2 in the beginning of chapter 3, that every created being is nothing other than the light of God. So what does that mean? What's the analogy that, oh, because I don't see the sun, or the, I could see the ray when it leaves the sun, but the created thing never leaves the godly light. And so seemingly the mushal is not doimul nimshal. Seemingly the parable is nothing like the idea that it's trying to convey. Because the, the, the created thing never leaves the godly light. And so the question comes back, what am I looking at? If I'm not seeing the godly light, what am I looking at? There is no two separate things. There is no godly light and the created thing. There's the godly light manifesting as the created thing. The created thing is battle b'metzius, is completely nullified to that godly light. So if I'm not able to see elokus, if I'm not able to see godliness, what exactly am I looking at? That's the question we left off with. Let's read the, let's read the question inside again. But in the following, the illustration is apparently not completely identical with the object of comparison. The ray of the sun is not the same thing seemingly as when it comes to the rest of the world. Why? For in the illustration, when it comes to the ray of the sun and the sun, the source, which is the sun, is not present at all in the space of the universe and upon the earth where its light is seen as actually existing. There's an actual place where the ray of the sun is, where the sun is not. Whereas all created things are always within their source, their contracted light that's bringing them into existence, all created things are in their source. And it is only that the source is not visible to our physical eyes. If so, why are they not nullified in their source to understand that some prefatory marks are necessary? So that's the question. So why are they not bottled by Metzius? Why are they not nullified to their source? Why am I... The question comes back, what is it that I'm looking at? The ray of the world never leaves the sun of the godly light that's bringing it into existence. So what is it that I'm seeing? And I mentioned to last time, he leaves off the question, he leaves off the chapter with a question, even though seemingly Chassidim didn't like to learn philosophy books because they were afraid that you would get a question, you would understand the question and not understand the answer. So why did the Alter Rebbe end off the question, end off his chapter with a question? And I mentioned last week that it depends what kind of question you're asking. The philosophy books are asking, how do I know that God exists? What's a proof that God exists? 
Here we're asking the opposite question. I don't understand why I'm seeing the world. Why does the world seem like it exists? It's always within Hashem. Yeah? So that's, that's, that's the question we're leaving off with. Now, the answer in chapter 4, in one word, is going to be Tzimtzum. That's going to be the answer. The answer in one word is going to be Tzimtzum. That Hashem does a contraction. But, to make sure that we're all talking the same language and we understand what we're talking about, we need to, I need to back up a little and make sure we understand something very clearly, okay? Because I need to talk about, when we speak about symptom, symptom can mean a lot of different things. There's not just one symptom. There are many symptomim of Seder Ishtalshalas. There are many contractions in the downchaining of worlds and many different types of contractions. So I want to, let, let's begin for a second. Let's take a step back. And if you could, you know, in your mind or on a piece of paper in front of you, I want you to draw a square, a square, a circle inside the square, and a radius, a line coming from one side of the circle to the center point of the circle. So either draw that on a piece of paper or in your mind. A square a circle in the middle point of the square, and a radius, a line coming from one side of the circle into the center point of the circle. Now, that picture that you drew or that you have in your mind is how every book of Kabbalah begins. The books of Kabbalah, Eitz Chaim, Eitz Chaim, all the holy books of Kabbalah, they all begin with this picture. Because this picture is really a map of all reality. And let's discuss it one step at a time. Because I told you to draw all three things, but all three things are actually three different steps. So first is a square. The square represents Or Ein Sof, Hashem's infinite light. Obviously it's not drawn to scale. We don't have a piece of paper that, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, not drawn to scale at all. But, we get the point. The square represents Hashem's infinite light. Orin Sof. Orin Sof Mamali Kolam When there was just before creation, when there was just Orin Sof. There's just Orin Sof, that's the square. So now at this point, there's no, there's no place for things to exist. So then Hashem does what's called Tzimtzum Harishon, the first Tzimtzum where he contracts his light and makes that circle inside the square, which is called the Chalal Umokum Panui, the void and empty space. He contracts his light, he hides his light from that circle, and that circle becomes the Chalal Umokum Panui, the empty space where there can now be, well, now there can now be nothing. Now there's just empty space, there's just void. There's just absolutely nothing, no, rela- no revelation. And then he brings this the kav. He reintroduces after Tzimtzum. So that's Tzimtzum. Tzimtzum makes this this empty space, void of, of, um, of any light. And then the radius, the picture of the kav, the line that you drew, that's what Kabbalah says that then he then returns and illuminates, brings a kav, brings a little ray of light back into the halal. That kav, that little ray of light, that little line of light, he brings back into the halal. 
And that line of light, that Kav, then goes about creating all the worlds. So if let's say if you're looking at that line, that line of light like that's the radius, closer to the circle, the outer circle is let's say Adam Kadmon, then is Atzilus, Bria, Yitzira, Sia. As the line is getting further into the circle, the light is getting less until finally the center point, the bottom point of the line, the most lowest point of the line, the center point, is Asiya, is the lowest world, including our physical world. Okay? So that's the, that's the picture that's always drawn in Kabbalah to explain the creation of the world. Okay? Now, here's the $67,000 question I want to ask all of you. That symptom that we just drew a picture of, that Kabbalah begins with, is that going to help us for chapter 4 of Shara Yichud? Is that the same symptom that he's going to be talking about now in Shara Yichud chapter 4? No, absolutely not. Yishai, you're saying no. Tell me why. Because that's the very first symptom. We're talking about this uh, this sun and the, the mushal being... The, uh, the the basically the end of that symptom. That's exactly where... right. That's right. The the symptom the the first symptom that 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 Kabbalah begins with is a symptom of Orein Sof. It's a symptom of Orein Sof of Hashem's infinite light, and the language of the Arizal is that it's Bederech Siluk. It's a way of removing completely con- com- removing, making a void, even though the Baal Shem Tev Torah doesn't mean literally removing, it just means concealing, but it's a total, total concealment of that light. Totally, totally concealed. And no revelation of it, Bechlal, and that's why you need the Kav to be reintroduced to bring light, to bring finite light that's going to create the worlds. So if I were to ask you now, what we're going to learn now, the symptom that we need to learn about, where does that take place in this diagram that we just drew? Where in the diagram did we just draw, the symptom that we're going to need to learn about now, where in the diagram is that taking place? In the center point. In the center point. In the center point, that's gonna, we're now going to be learning about how the light that all the way, that's, that, that already it's a godly light that, that is contracted through Seder Shtalshalus, through the downshaining of worlds. And now this, God is speaking, that the, this, the divine speech means that lowest level of light, which is manifesting as all the world, etc., all the created things in the world. That... That is the low, that is Yehudatata, that is the lowest level of light, that's the divine speech. And that's the symptom that we need to be talking, that we're going to be talking about now. And you should know, if you take a peek for a second, if you have the book in front of you or if you have it on the computer, I want you to just take a look at the very end of chapter 4 for a second. Take a peek for a second at the very end of chapter (laughs) 4. You see where there are brackets? At the very end of chapter 4, there are brackets. He says, The tzimtzum, 
and concealing of the life force is called kalim, vessels, and the life force is, con- is called light. So this symptom that we're going to be learning about now in chapter 4 is called kalim, vessels. That's not the same thing as the first symptom that the Arizal begins with, not at all. The first symptom that Arizal begins with is removing all his infinite light. This symptom, don't forget, we said we're really within the sun of the godly light that's bringing us into existence. So what makes that I don't feel that that's all I am? Another type of symptom called kalim, called vessels. Let's read a little, a little more. For just as a vessel covers that which is within it, so does the symptom cover and conceal the light and the flowing life force. This is a type of symptom that's covering what's really in it already. Do you, do you understand? This isn't a symptom of removing or even the symptom that we're learning about in chapter 4 is not even going to be right now a lessening. It's just going to be a covering over of what we really are. And that's why it's called kalim, vessels. Now, you should know, even though he uses over here the word vessels, but in Hasidus we differentiate between three different types of vessels. There's, there's vessels, there's what's called vessels, kalim, there's called garments, levushim, and this called klipas, shells, which means as the light becomes invested in this other type of symptom, symptom of kalim. So what makes what makes let's say the world of of bria and yetsira different than the world of asiya? What makes the spiritual worlds different than our world? The answer is how many garments there are. And then in our world, there's mamash even shells. What's the, difference? What's the difference if I say vessel, garment, or shell? Well, it's very, it's like in English. When you have a vessel, a vessel contains something in it, but doesn't necessarily conceal it. Doesn't have to conceal it. Right? Let's say, what's an example of vessels? Words. Words. When I want to give over ideas, I want to give over ideas. How do I give over ideas? What vessels do I use to give over ideas? Words. I use words, right? But then there's garments, where the vessels become more concealed and there's garments. Garments is like clothing, which already is is hiding you. Clothing already hides you. Hides you a lot more. Hides a lot more the content of what's in it. What's in the garments. What would be an example of, of, a, of a garment, let's say? If vessels are words, what would a garment be? A poem. A poem. A poem that's not so easy to understand right away at first glance. A poem is giving over an idea but it's already not so clear. You have to really dig in to really understand what's being conveyed over here. 
But then there's those types of ways that the, sh- that the vessel becomes so thick that it's not a garment, it becomes a klipa. It becomes a shell. And that's where negativity comes from. That's when you don't see that there's godliness in it at all. That's a shell. That's when the, when the light becomes so completely submerged within the covering that you can't see at all that there's godly light in it. Like in our world. In our world, like it says in the beginning of Tanya, is klipas noiga. All of our world is from the klipa, the shell of, of knowledge of good and evil, of, of light and darkness. We don't see God's light because it's the, the vessels have become mamish like shells. What's an example of a shell? If you had a word was a vessel and you had a poem is a lavush. So what's an example of a shell? A code. A code. A code, unless somebody has the, the, the ability to crack the code, the code is completely concealing what's in it. And so, as we come further down through the downshaining of worlds, the tzimtzumim, the concealments of vessels, which become garments, which become shells, are very different than the, 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 the first tzimtzum that the Arizal began with. Here, it's that we don't feel what we really are. It's not a lessening of the light. It's that we're not feeling what we really are. Just like when you have a poem, a person could read it and not really understand what's being conveyed. And how much more so when it comes to a code. You could read a code. You don't need to go that far. You could have some people read a Mishnah they read the words and they have no idea what's being said over there. So the, the tzimtzumim that we're going to be talking about now is what makes the world seem that I don't see that it's just the light of Hashem. But we're already talking about the, the contracted light of God that's within the world. That's why it's Yehudatata. That's why it's the lower level of unity. Is that clear? Any questions? No? So that's very important to get the two different types of tzimtzum. The tzimtzum that removes light and the tzimtzum that's, that's not about removing light but putting the light in vessels. Quick question. Yeah. Are there any, any kalium? I guess the only kalium we really have that where the light is not concealed would be the words of Torah itself, right? Torah Shabbat Um... Well, so it depends what you mean they're not concealed. They're, they're concealed from me and you because our eyes are still blind to see. But yes, the, the, the symptom of Torah is different. The symptom of Torah is that Hashem puts all of His infinite light into those words. The symptom, that's why, you know, uh, the, the, the name usually, as we're going to learn in chapter 4, the name of symptom is Shem Elikim. But the name of Torah is Elikim Chaim. Eluv Elu Divri Elikim Chaim. What's the difference between Elikim and Elikim Chaim? Exactly that. Elikim Chaim, Torah, is that Hashem puts all of His infinity into those letters of Torah. That's why, by the way, at, at, um, at Matan Torah, Hashem is likened to a groom, to a chassan. 
Why is Hashem likened to a groom to a chassan? Where do you see an example of something that you have, you put your entire essence into something that seems to be so completely far away and, and, and incomparable to what you are, and yet your whole essence is in it? It's what a chassan gives to the kala when, a, when they want to procreate. Right when a chassan and a, when a chassan and a kala when a chassan makes a baby when the groom makes a baby, and he gives over the seed. On one hand, the seed is not that 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 seed that the zera that he's giving over it's nothing. It's 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 a it's nothing. It's just it's not it's there's nothing there. It's just a little moisture, and yet it contains his full DNA. It contains everything that he is. A whole another child could be born from that. Torah is that Hashem is chasen, that He's giving over His whole being in the words of Torah. So Torah functions differently than the, than the rest of, of the worlds. If we want to give a very grub, you know, if we're talking about different types of tzimtzum, okay, so if we give a very, a very, um, uh, um, how do you say, like, a uh, very mundane example, okay, of, of the difference between the tzimtzum of the worlds and the tzimtzum of Torah, Imagine you have like a thousand people and a telephone booth. Remember the old days when they used to have telephone booths? That Superman, that uh, Clark Kent used to change in the telephone booths? I think most of you still remember telephone booths, right? So you have a thousand people and a telephone booth. So how are you going to get from a thousand people into a telephone booth? So one way of doing it is that you take one person or two people from among the thousand and you put them into the telephone booth. That's the symptom of Eulamus. That's the symptom of what Hashem does to create worlds. He takes a little of His light and brings all the worlds out from that. Torah, and kids don't try this at home, but imagine you take all thousand people and you stick them all into the telephone booth. That's what Torah is. That Hashem puts His whole essence, His whole being, all of what He is, into Torah. So Torah is a different type of tzimtzum. It's true, that's why, if you remember, when before the Ten Commandments, when Hashem gives the Torah, it says, Vayadaber Elohim, es kol advarm It does use Shem Elohim by the Ten Commandments, because it is also a tzimtzum, but it's a different type of tzimtzum. They're the tzimtzum of, what would be the word? Pushing, constraining everything into the Torah. Hashem puts all of what He is into the Torah. Okay, so what we're going to be need to what we need to learn now at this point of Shara Yichud, what we need to learn is how could it be that there's a godly light that's on one hand bringing every created thing into existence and yet we don't feel it. So that is going to have to be to explain that we're going to need to understand the symptom of vessels, the symptom of that you don't feel what you really are. It's not a symptom of lessening of what's inside of you. It's a symptom of that what is inside of you, you don't feel. We don't feel what we really are. That's the symptom that's being talked about over here. Okay? Is that all Klippos that you're, you're referring to? All Everything that we, it's, we don't well, feel? Well, so here's the thing. It doesn't have to... So here's the thing. It doesn't have to be Klippa because like I was saying to you, let's say the spiritual worlds of, let's say, where the angels are. The worlds of Bria, Yitzira, the spiritual world of Asiya. 
There, there are angels that are 24-7 just praising God. So are they a separate entity from God or not? Angels in the spiritual worlds that 24-7 are just praising God, are they a separate entity from God? Well, they are because they're praising God. It means that they feel an eye that's constantly praising God. But they never could do anything else other than praise God. Why? Because they're made up of vessels, or some garments maybe, but not shells. So at each level, it depends on how much the tzimtzum goes. This physical world, this physical world without working on it, is, is, is the, is the, that's, that's the secret of Eitzadas Tovarah, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The secret of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is what's called Klipas Noga, that this world is receiving its vitality from the shell of light, which is a shell on one hand, it is a shell, that, con- that, that conceals, we don't, but we are able to reveal the godly light if we work on it. Okay? So, moving down the cob, so to speak, is the symptom of Caleb? Mm-hmm. Exactly. As you go down the cob, let's say the world of Atsilos, the Caleb, are, are God's attributes. Right? The world of Atsilos, the ten spheros, the ten spheros are Caleb, but they're God's attributes. That's what ten spheres are. They're mamish God's attributes. Like if I like if you think about your own intellect, your own emotions, your own attributes, your own personality. They're you, but they're not you as you are in your pristine state. They're you in the vessels of your personality. So that would be the ten spheres. It's still just God, but He's in the vessels of the ten spheres. Then, as the worlds go down, as you go further down the Kav, and of course, Kabbalah and Chassidus explain each step of the way what makes each thing happen, but then the worlds go further down, and now the vessels become like, like garments. And so they bring about angels that on one hand have an entity that could praise God, but they, but they never are a separate entity, until finally you come down to this world with his mamish the Indian of shells. Klepus. Is that clear? Okay, that's a lot to think about. We're going to stop over here. Unless there's any other questions, we're going to stop over here for today. Any other questions? But but uh, there's a lot to think about, that, that this, this idea of these different types of tzimtzum. Because we want to understand that when we're looking at the world, we have to know how to take off the tzimtzum. We have to know how to reverse the tzimtzum. So we have to know what the symptom is that we're reversing. We're reversing the symptom of the shell that makes it look like the world that I'm looking like is, at is something other than Hashem. Rabbi, this is probably outside the scope of this lesson, but I was always deeply troubled by the empty space that God created in the Tzimtzum Harishon. How on earth could there be an empty space? So can you maybe like refer me to a book or an article or I can read more about that? So... Um, let's let let me let me. I think it's an important question, and I wanna I wanna give it uh, uh, some time, and it's still connected to what we're learning because this is all new concepts for us. So let's start with that tomorrow, okay? Let's talk okay. a little. Let's talk a little more about the empty space of the tomorrow, and we'll and we'll we'll compare and contrast a little more. We'll get a little more into the details of it. Okay, because I do, but you should know. Just in a, it's not really empty. Okay. I mean, it's God. 
but it but it's God's mamish manifesting as emptiness, as void, as empty space, as 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 no revelation. But we'll talk more about it tomorrow, Mitzvahim. Any other questions? Yeah, Jonathan. No. Okay, everyone. Have a good night. Just bye. <laughs> See everyone tomorrow. A quick question. I, I oh, yes, question. Stephen. Yeah. Um, the Klippas Noga, that's only on this level? No other level has it? Yeah, Klippas Noga, which means the shell of light, that there's on one hand a shell that you could penetrate through, that's this physical world. Yeah. That's, that's what allows us to be a physical world? That's well. That's what allows the physical world to to have free choice. That you could either reveal God in it or not. We have a choice whether we reveal God in the world or not. That comes from klipasnoga. That comes from the shell of light. That it's a shell, but it's a shell of light, as opposed to the three impure klipas. There are lower levels of shells where mamish cover over godliness in, in a way that bring about impurity. But we'll continue mitzvah tomorrow.